0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always and of course we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a two-all draw away at the Vitality Stadium against good old Bournemouth of course. Villa, um, I I don't know how some people will see it, we'll get through this in the next little bit of course, we do have Mr. Simon O'Regan here joining me as well and we'll just kind of brush through this game as quickly as possible talk about the major points move on quickly to city because i know a lot of people's focus will um, switch very quickly to that game and probably even the arsenal game as well with how quick and fast things are going to come this month of december and as a content creator we're uh honestly we're just going to be destroyed by the end of this month so we'll see how we manage but regardless of that like i said mr simon O'Regan is here with me so simon how's it going for you yeah not too bad um Bit disappointing,
1: really, wasn't it, today? uh, You know, after the win last week as well, the win in midweek, and kind of with sitting Arsenal coming up, you're sort of looking at it going, oh, okay, you can just beat Bournemouth. We're going into, um, you know, uh, in a really, really good position. So, yeah, it was a bit tricky, disappointing, but, you know, we, we didn't lose it, which I think. There's various times we, we could have played that game over the last 10 years where we 100% lose that game. And to, to come away with the points sort of in the context of how the, the game went, especially the second half, you, you just got to take it, haven't you?
0: Yeah, we might as well start there and you're referencing it uh, very correctly. And to be honest, you read my mind because that was the first talking point I could really thought of. And it's the old adage, is it two points dropped or one point game? And I, I, I think at least from my point of view, it has to be probably one point gain. And I was talking to uh, our very own Tom Nightingale uh, maybe a couple hours ago about this, and he agreed as well. And he even brought that point up before I even said anything. And I think it has to be. And like you said, Simon, so many times in the past several seasons that I can think of where Villa would easily lose this or, you know what, we'd have that, last second opportunity and we hit the bar again or it's sky over and that's it, or we collapse and concede again. And it could be three one. There's all different ways for Villa to make you even more depressed at times. But (laughs) I I think this just shows in a weird way where it wasn't an overall great performance. It was probably more of a good example of highlighting individual performances in this game. And we'll talk about Ollie Watkins in a little bit, but I'm saying it's one point gain, but I'm assuming you're feeling the same. Um, having watched it, yeah, like, before, before the game, you'd,
1: you'd probably, if you were told that you'd, you'd be drawing 2-2 at Bournemouth before the game, you'd probably think, uh, that, you'd look at as two-point drops, drops if you, you know, look at the difference between the teams. But, yeah, in the context of it, you know, if, when you lose, I mean, 2-1 down going into the 90th minute and you come away with the points, it, it's definitely a, a point gain,s and, um, you know some of the other teams around us uh, dropping points this weekend as well. It's you know it's, it's not too bad. It keeps you ticking along. Um, and it was, I don't know, was, I, I felt it was just a really strange game. I and mean, I don't know, sort of your thoughts on it, but there there were sort of moments in the game where certain decisions, if they go another way, it's a completely different outcome. And yeah, I kind of, I'm really sure exactly what I make of it. To be honest.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's just a weird one. And, like, I mean, we can tie this one into it as well, Simon. I mean, why? Like, what is it against board myth? We were talking pre-recording. I think Villa have only played them, like, 10 times, 11 times, or whatever it is, something like that. Prior to 2015 in the FA Cup, I think the last time was, like, 87 or 88, I think we were talking about before. Like, what is it like? What do you think it is? I, I I know people can point out and say, well, you know what, they're not as bad of a team as we thought. And I mean, there's been some times where they have been actually probably one of the worst teams in the division, and we still absolutely cluster fucked it up. I guess I'm gonna have to put an <laughs> explicit content rating on this one just for saying that. But what do you think it is about Villa and Bournemouth? I know we can say the same against Watford in the past, and it feels like. Forest is becoming that way with Villa as well. And there's a number of different teams as well you can think of in Villa's history in terms of they're just the bogey team. But what do you think it is?
1: I mean, it's a hard one to answer, really. The the only time we have beaten them in recent memory was with one of the worst teams we've had in quite a while. You know, we, we ended up going down that season um, when we beat them 2015. I, I don't know. I mean, you, sort of you have to look at all the... Sort of individual games against them in 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 the context of those games, uh, you know the our first year back, we lost there. Uh, we, you know, I mean, we had Ali Smatter up front, I think in that game. Not with his debut, and I think Bjorn Engels is playing. So it's that team's obviously very different <laughs> to the one that we we've, we've got this season. Um, and then you know even the defeat last season, I think was it Louise and Watkins were on and, and Mings were all on the bench for that because. The uh, the person in charge at the time was was a bit odd, shall we say? <laughs> so I, I don't know. You, you just sometimes you do just get those teams that uh, that you just can't get results. So, you know, you look at Saint James's Park we, we we just can't buy a result there. Other than the last couple of years, you know, they've been pretty crap for, for quite a while. I, I remember those periods like the late nineties, throughout sort of the mid to late nineties where Chelsea just couldn't get a win over in the park. I think we went something like nine or ten seasons in a row. some Something like that. we we're not losing or maybe only lost one. So, yeah, you just... Sometimes you just get those teams where, for whatever reason, you just can't seem to get a result there. But it is bloody frustrating when, when it's against a shit team.
0: I think it's... In, I mean, I could be wrong. It could be a number of different things. But I feel like it's one of those things where a team loses once and then it just... happens a few times, obviously. And then you have player turnover and stuff like that. But beyond that, it's almost like a mentality monster thing in a negative manner where it's like, well, as a football club, we just, every time we go there, we lose. So it's almost like an added pressure to kind of reverse that voodoo, if that's even really a a thing in this context. But for whatever reason, I mean, Bournemouth, especially at Vitality or whatever it's been called in the past, it's it's not looking good because, of course, the last time we beat them, um, there, like we referenced before it was August 8th, 2015 first game of the season, we all thought Miller were going to be flying that season and we know <laughs> what happened um, Rudy Vestad we thought would actually be quite a little bit of a pickup and we know what happened there as well um, the time before that, the last time we beat Bournemouth away of course was in the old Division 2 beat them 2-1, uh, that would have been March 5th, 1988 I know it would be a little bit in terms of your timeline Simon, I know we always say that you're so old But I don't expect you to remember that because I don't, were you even alive then? I'm trying to do the math in my head. Yeah,
1: but I I was born in June 87, so I was less than one.
0: (laughs) Okay, for some reason I thought you were born in 88, so I wouldn't expect you to remember that regardless. But can you guess maybe one of the scores just for the hell of it,
1: for the 88 team? Oh, God. Um, No, no, (laughs)
0: nothing comes to mind. (laughs) Fair enough. It'd be Tony Daly or David Platt would have got you a
1: bonus uh, Do you know bonus. what? I genuinely was my first thought was Tony Daly, but I thought I I,
0: I didn't realise that he was
1: he was he with us at that time. I thought he was more ah, I'm annoyed myself now. Excuses,
0: excuses. <laughs> But regardless of that, if you asked me that, I wouldn't have had a clue. So it, it, it's completely okay. And to be honest, I was only born in 1994. So I don't know why I'd expect myself to know that unless you're a, a Villa historian, uh, which we're not pretending to be. Unless unless it's Simon in the 90s and the early 90s and all that kind of stuff like that. Then, of course, he is an encyclopedia. And uh, at some point in the future, we'll reference exactly why. But let's get over to Leon Bailey next, Simon. I mean... I think it's worth bringing up, of course, on the website, of course, check it out to uh, 7500thold.spnation.com. One of our uh, newer writers, Jamie, actually put up a, a very nice little opinion piece on him. Has done very well on social media, a lot of people engaging with it. So I thought, why not talk about him? Because, of course, he scored today. He got the opener for Villa, a, a quick response, which was much needed. But we've always kind of referenced in the past the Bailey, he's just not a starter, he's better coming off the bench, and of course, with rotation, you're expecting that. But what did you make of his performance today?
1: Um, first off, I thought he was pretty decent.
0: Uh, obviously, he got,
1: got the goal really, really good goal as well, to be fair. Um, I thought he caused him a few problems. You know, he he was fouled uh, a number of times by Semenyo, who <laughs> probably, yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to that oh, yes. in a little bit, but you know, he 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 did. He, he got away from them quite a few times and, and was just stopped to his traps by being pulled back a lot, really. Uh, yeah, I thought I he thought was decent enough in, in the first half. There, there were a couple of times there were crosses coming in from the left where he, he'd made the run into the middle a bit too early. Um, You know, this is, I think there was definitely two, like I remember, that kind of just went over his head to the back post when one was where he probably should be coming in. But I thought he, he deserved to start because... He has been excellent coming off the bench, and, and like you say, with with the sort of heavy fixture list coming up now and squad rotation, I'm I'm not surprised that, that he did start because I I don't see him starting uh, against Man City, for example, on Wednesday. You know that that that's a game where you'd be bringing him off the bench, so it, it made sense um, for him to start. There there were a couple of other people in the starting lineup who I think it made sense for them to start, and they just didn't take their chances, Nicola Zaniolo.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll maybe get on to him in a little bit, and maybe if I'm bothered, to be honest, because it's maybe a, <laughs> maybe closer to January we can discuss that frustration. But yeah, I mean, Leon Bailey's an interesting one. I thought he gave away the ball a little bit cheaply at times in the first half, but as wingers do, of course. Mm. And then just as he gives away the ball, he gets it back and he slots it home. Uh, any more prototypical yeah. than that. I mean, I have to say, I found it kind of faded out more so yeah. kind of as the game went on. But I mean, it is Leon Bailey at the end of the day. I feel like he just pops up in those moments, and that's kind of typical of most Villa wingers these days. So, really, what can you expect there? Let's talk about Zaniolo actually for a second. I'm just going to completely change my mind and add it in here. I mean, what do you make of the whole situation with him? Kind of, what do you think of his future going forward? I like. I kind of wonder personally, if he was really the first choice or it was maybe he was Plan C or D. And I'm not saying that cause I think he's absolutely terrible. He he's shown glimpses and he's been unlucky at times, but I mean, I'll let like, tell me how you feel here in a second, Simon, but I just mm-hmm. felt that personally he's trying so hard that he's just massively overthinking everything. And yeah. when you're going to that extent, he's honestly costing us opportunities and, creating counterattacks with the opposition where just it's creating more messes. But how do you feel about it?
1: No, I think yeah you're sort of hitting that on the head there We're trying too hard and overthinking. And you can see he's clearly lacking confidence. That there was a couple of opportunities that he had where he was in a pretty good position on the edge of the box and you think he just hit it. And I think if if he was a player who he has a couple of goals and assists this season, I think he would take those chances early, but because he hasn't, <clears throat> I think I think he's just, yeah, like you say, overthinking and not playing cause He's he's not as, not playing as natural as someone who's a confident player was like, thats when you look at, like, compare some of those chances he had with Bailey's goal. Bailey's flying high. He cuts inside and you as soon as he first cuts in, you know what's, what's going to happen. You know he's going to heal it and, and he's going to stick it away. If that was like Bailey of, Sort of beginning part of last season, he probably takes another two touches and and the opportunity goes and I think that's what you're seeing with, with Zaniolo and I don't in terms of his future, I wouldn't really like to say because I, I don't you can't write a player off after what three months three four months um you know there's there's a reason that Emery brought him into the club and there's a reason that he's played him like quite a lot. I, to be, I used to say the same about Bailey last season. Actually, when he, you know, at times was was frustrating, I always thought some of the criticism criticism was, was way over the top. But I used to stand here, you know, the, there's a reason every picks him every week, and I so I'd I'd have faith that Zaniolo can still sort of come good for us because, like you say, he's not been terrible, but he he's one of those now you look and you think he he desperately needs, needs something to go in for him. And, and then, you know, that that sort of pressure and weight on his shoulders will come off then. And, and he can flourish, but at the same time as well, Golly Members, remember he's, he's, still quite a young player who's missed a lot of football over the last couple of years with what's it, two really serious injuries. Mm-hmm. And also he's, he's, He's only just come to the Premier League. It, I, I remember Arsene Wenger used to say when a foreign player comes over to the Premier League, it can take them anything from six months to a to a year to adapt to it. Um, you know, some people hit the ground running, some don't. It, it's is one of those that, as I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't be writing him off. And I I thought it made sense to start him in this game because you know you're not going to start him in the next three, for example. But it was it was fairly obvious i think that he was going to come off at half time. yeah and
0: it, and it was it was rightly needed of course and like we've kind of mentioned before in previous episodes and weeks and months ago probably almost feels like weekly at this point there's going to be rotation we've made a, a kind of a, a special theme of how december is going to look and I know some people aren't pleased with the likes of Zaniolo and things like that, and would prefer to have our best players playing every single match, but let's be honest and be truthful with ourselves. It's just not gonna happen anymore, especially with Europe. And then of yeah. course we'll get on to the FA Cup draw probably near the end of the podcast as well. It's just you're adding fixture congestion and you kind of have to manage your expectations with that. And and like you said, I, I think honestly, even if he gets an assist somewhere that maybe loosens things up a little bit more. And then a goal follows quickly Mm. after something like that. But then it also goes the other way. Maybe he just has a terrible December for some reason. (laughs) We think Middlesbrough will be the reason why he just, I don't know, goes on a tear and then he somehow loses the game because it's one of those. So yeah, I I can see it from both kind of points of view. I, I think it is a little unfair, probably the whole, we won't get into it, but the whole gambling thing as well, whatever really if is, happening Mm. there or if it's completely done or not who really knows is that playing on him as well new country yada 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 i mean there's so many things we can really throw in there and it, it, it's tricky because how long do you leave someone kind of out of the, the firing line before it just they get forgotten about but then if you put them in too much it's it's kind of managing how they're feeling with expectations and all that so at the end of the day I think it's one that we'll probably have to reassess closer to maybe I don't know three-fourths of the way throughout the season and then maybe you can say okay this is probably not going to work out it's just a loan and nothing else is probably going to be well, happening because just on, Well on that point though
1: isn't part of the loan that after a certain number of appearances, is an obligation to buy. That I'm not sure. I'm pretty, <laughs> sure wish uh, I did. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. So I think it's something like maybe I don't know, 28 starts or something like that. It's like an obligation to buy for 17 million. I think I'm, I'm sure someone will correct me if I if I've put that figure yeah. out of thin air. So but but that is if it is an obligation after a certain number of appearances. Then that's that's where it's a bit different to to kind of most of the situations because you then you do have to make a real sort of judgment call. Okay, well, we do we actually want this lad or or not? And and if that's the case, I again I'm not I don't know obviously the the structure of what the deal is, but you'd be better if if you sort if you're sort of thinking we you know we're not gonna sort of go through with this. Is he able to go off to another club in January? I don't think he would be because he's played. you can't play for more than two teams in, in a season, can you?
0: True. I and he's so. playing for
1: us in Galatasaray, so you know he could be in a bit of limbo there. So that's that's a possible situation that, that might have to to you know be managed and, and have a bit of a uh, bit of thought about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't really think off the top of my head how many times he's featured, but you would think it's probably been closer to almost double digits at this point. Um, definitely not starts but overall appearances so whether it's more starts versus appearances i i mean if there's people listening to this and they know exactly the details feel feel free to tweet us at 7500 holds or message us on the the facebook page or one of us personally to let us know but it is something to kind of remember and it, it's important and i'm thankful you brought that up simon so thank you because it's important to have that context overall because i think we do get caught up in the lone things where we say oh just forget them but mm-hmm. there's stipulations where sometimes players have to play certain matches and turns like that so who really knows what was written into that and i'm sure there had to have been some promises to get them here overall because at the end of the day of course, he did have the option to stay at Galatasaray too, probably for the season. I'm sure they would be willing to have had him stay. So who really knows there or whatever. But we're, we'll, we'll get ourselves into a bigger vortex if yes. we go too far down that rabbit hole. But let's go to super Ollie Watkins here for just a moment. I mean, Simon the man was going to miss today, we all thought. And he comes up with a goal and – or an assist initially. And then, of course, a, a goal really almost at the – uh at the, at the last opportunity, or one of the last opportunities, I should say, and really just saves the day. I mean, I mean, he misses one game in Europe. We're a little bit concerned, thinking, you know what? If he misses Bournemouth, it might be okay. It ended up being if he wasn't playing against Bournemouth, it wouldn't have been okay. But, I mean, what more can we say about him? It's just he's – I know we know how good he is, but for, to me, I just feel like with the rest of the football world, he's just still so underrated, and I don't understand why. Oh, I mean that's the
1: case with the whole club in general, really, isn't it? and a lot of our players. Um, yeah, I mean Watkins. So this season, it's now uh, 13 goals and six assists in 21 games, no competitions. Like they're just ridiculous numbers. To be fair, and he it, he's actually becoming a bit more clinical. I know he, he does still miss chances, but if you look at like Tottenham last week. Wasn't massively involved in the game really, but got that one chance and and finished it beautifully. And I I thought it was the same today. You know, he kind of he wasn't involved too much in the play on the ball. He still obviously does all of his running, which, you know, you're always gonna get from Watkins. And I think a lot of that stuff can go unnoticed as well. But that header, I mean, that was just brilliant. The the whole goal itself, the ball from Torres out to Diaby initially. Was, was a brilliant pass and then lovely crossing to the box. But Watkins still had quite a bit to do with that. You know, he's sort of leaning back behind himself, and I, I, it was it was an unbelievable header. Um, and he's for me, he's like un- unquestionably has to be second in line behind Kane for England. problem. Of I think he has of England is you know I mean oh no we won't go down this rabbit <laughs> otherwise I'll, I'll go off him. On, on England for five minutes but no for, for, for Villa Watkins he he's he's just he's just brilliant like we always you can always see even you no know, uh, you know, under Smith you can see obviously what a really good play was and Gerard's you know we all know what happened there everyone struggles with that but since Emery's come in his games just developed so much he's he, he still offers you that hard work that, that he always gives but his, his movement in the, around the box and his, his finishing now, I mean, just the number of goals is obviously very, very impressive. It's the number of assists as well, which, you know, there's there's not many, there's not many, like, strikers, as in proper centre-forwards in the Premier League, who get those numbers of goals and assists. You know, obviously someone like Salah does, but, you know, he's not a proper centre-forward striker. He's, he's a wide forward. Um, Haaland's, he doesn't get the assist, but he doesn't need to when he's he's scoring 50 odd goals a season. But, but that combination, there's, you know, a, a, a lot of Villa fans have said this, and so this isn't you know anything groundbreaking. But I, I generally do not think there's a better striker, like probably in in, in certainly in, in the Premier League, probably in Europe, that Villa could actually go out and get that would be better than Watkins. Um he, he's just absolutely brilliant, and you know, as I say, that, that head of today is absolutely phenomenal.
0: I mean, he's the best striker we've had since Benteke hands down. I you like you can't even compare yeah. it. I know I know some people <laughs> will say like Tammy Abraham and stuff like that, but that's a championship. You can't really um yeah. I, I mean if you look at overall careers, I guess to some extent, you can maybe make the argument, but I don't think there's really any comparison in terms of what one is doing compared to the other, but of course, today being Sunday, everyone's hearing this on the Monday. So hello, uh, future us and everybody else. Um, of course, today was the sixth time Ollie Watkins has scored um and assisted in the same Premier League game for Aston Villa. That was a stat by Aston Villa Stato. So thanks, Stato, for that one. I mean, it I know some people will say, Oh, well, Harry Kane's done that like 30 times. <laughs> Alan Shearer did it 50. Like I, I I really don't know how you make those arguments, but at the end of the day. He's playing for Villa Football Club. Long may this continue. And I know people then even say, well, you're you're a one-man team, which is not the, the case by <laughs> any means, but you need players like that to step up. And and the one thing I kind of thought of when you were kind of breaking down the goal, Simon, was it's Torres to Diaby then to Watkins. We didn't have that last season. That yeah. that move right there. I know you could say, well, it could be um Mings to Dougie Louise to <laughs> Walk-ins. Of course it could be, but it's players that are coming off the bench, like Diaby, Torres, who actually I thought had a pretty decent games in terms of how things went and how things were managed. Those are the difference makers. It's those little moments, and that's why we get yeah. a point today instead of none, and then we look at City and Arsenal and go, oh, well, this could be three losses on the bounce season <laughs> over, which is, which is mental considering <laughs> we're still fourth. But all in all, I mean – You have to kind of, it's important to think of it that way. You can still be frustrated overall with the result, but I mean, you can never be frustrated with Holly Watkins because my God, just cherish him. Because I'm not saying they'll are going to lose him or anything like that. Every paper is going to, he'll score like three more this month or something like that. And he'll probably be linked with Arsenal about 60 times a day. (laughs) but which is mental, but I mean, he's just so brilliant and he does it so consistently and we won't get on to my FPL error that I made, but regardless, of, <laughs> that, um, yeah, we don't need to embarrass myself any further, but let's talk about the officiating because we wouldn't be football fans if we didn't complain about f- football officials. Um, of course, if anyone saw the Spurs City game, everyone kind of saw that kerfuffle and what happened at the very end there. Um, but, but I mean, away at Bournemouth, referee just didn't want to send Semenu off. It was very obvious that like, he didn't want to give ever, anyone a, a red card. He wanted to be 11v11. There was just dodgy calls all over the place. He was more willing to give yellows out where it wasn't even warranted versus when it was warranted. I mean, what did you make of it all? Because I, I I know we can say it's just another mess, but it's another massive mess, in my opinion, and it just it screams of what every football fan has been saying as of late, hasn't it?
1: It was... Very so baffling. I mean, I I cannot I cannot understand how Semenya remained on that pitch. Um, you know he gets his yellow card and then, what it, it, it shouldn't matter that he's was only a few minutes later. The pull back on Bailey, I think it was that you that has to be pushed with another yellow cards. It, I just I really don't understand it. And then and then he goes and gives him. Away that other free kick on the edge of the box, and it's just ridiculous. I think Paul Torres got a yellow card for kind of a nothing challenge, really, and, and that only happened because you know the, the ref gave the free kick and was walking away, and then about five, six of their players surrounded the referee, and he's like, "Yeah, go on, then. That's all right. I'll, I'll give him the yellow card." Then it, I, I just thought it was really, really strange. Like, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't know what to say about it. We. We've just seen throughout the season, not not in our you know, just in our games, but virtually every weekend there seems to be at least two or three things where you're looking at it and you're sort of scratching your head thinking, how how on earth has that decision been made or that one not been overturned, or oh my god, they've actually overturned that like it's just everything I I really don't know what to say anymore. And, and even then the so obviously Semenya should should get second yellow cards. We get the free kick, we score from it or think we do to put us two one up, and it it's given for offside. And I'm I mean, look, this is obviously with the caveat that we're Villa fans, we're we're obviously going to be biased. But I've done. The, I'm not 100 percent convinced that I've seen something to prove that like it was offside. Like the it, it does kind of look at it like he is from the angle, but it's a really bad angle, like. It, I don't see how how you can how you can work with that one. And even when they put the lines out, I don't I don't know if they put them in the right place. It, it, from one image I've seen, it looks like the whoever the last defender was for them, that the defensive line is kind of like half. It's on top of his foot rather than at the end of it. It's just really strange. And and even with that, like Dina then ends up coming back around the other side of the player to to get the ball so I mean it it is is what it is just every team this season has had like ridiculous things go against them except for Manu obviously you know they just get everything but (laughs) yeah I mean what I mean I don't know what more you you can say I mean the the lack of second yellow cards that's not a VAR issue or anything that's just poor refereeing but I think the standard of, of refereeing has dropped so much because of VAR. I think that has played a part in it because so many now are just kind of afraid to make sort of proper, substantial decisions. And, you know, it's almost like they just think well, maybe that was, maybe that wasn't, but they'll, they'll sort it out. And even then, they're not sorting it out. So, you know, they, you can't can't use that as an excuse because there's no... There's no reason why, especially in the second half, we were as kind of like lackluster as we was. However, if the ref does his job, they play seventy minutes with ten men on the pitch, and I don't think I don't think we come away with without three points if that's the case.
0: It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves Yeah, it's very true. I mean, there's not really too much more I can really add on to that. It's just, it's another case of frustration. And we've seen it since Villa have been back in the Premier League for what a while now, obviously. And I want to say it is what it is. And the only reason I feel like that is because it's so defeating. Because you know nothing's going to change. And it's, there's just, there's a lack of, Literally self belief in all these referees because of VAR. That's my opinion because they're so reliant on it. They don't, de- they have no clue on when and how to make a decision because if mm. it goes wrong, they look stupid. And if they even they make the right one, it's going to be reviewed anyway. So it's basically undermining them. So I've said it numerous times to people like, just scrap the stupid thing, keep goal line technology and leave it at that. Because honestly, it's just, it's getting to the point where now you're spending probably, it feels like at least 10 to 15 plus minutes every game just evaluating everything and that's that's being generous to say that at at that minimum and people just want to move on with it like i feel like a granddad saying this but like we can both remember the time simon where yeah we'd think that was offside or was a dodgy call but we just got over it eventually like yeah now it's because i mean social media and everything hindsight's a beautiful thing and also a terrifying thing at the same time but we just got ourselves into this now where we can over overanalyze because of VAR. And I know mm-hmm. people want to say, we'll just make the decision quickly. I'm okay with them taking time with it. It's just the fact that we have to take time with everything because there's no confidence, in my opinion, knowledge with the officials. Yeah. It feels like, and because no one wants to be officials because they don't want to get screamed at, they're passing basically. If you signed up tomorrow, you'd probably be officiating the championship on next weekend <laughs> or something at this rate it's it's basically a, a pandemic everywhere because of that in terms of officiating which i don't blame people who wants to get yelled at but i don't know it's it's a sticky situation and if anyone has the uh the, the best answer i mean go to well, I, I, somebody and uh, you might get a you might get a pay <laughs> i mean i i think if you're going to have
1: it i don't think you can use it to um sort of relook look at a decision that's a subjective decision.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, because you're never going to get any consistency and you just make people more and more angry. Like, have it for the offside, although I think that rule needs to be adapted because of how microscopic they are with it. And I'd have it for you know stuff like violent conduct if you miss someone stamping on someone or, or something like that. And then to see if a penalty was inside or outside the box. But Reviewing potential penalties uh, for fouls or handballs, I'd scrap it for that. You'll get stuff wrong, but people just have to accept it then because they getting stuff wrong and anyway. Now with it, it's taken forever. So personally, I I don't think you can use it for for subjective calls.
0: Yeah, well, the one thing I hate the most is literally the offside. How everyone knows it's like complete like <laughs> it could be it can be yards offside like you could be a train's length offside Yeah, place, and they're like oh play on we'll we'll wave it off here in five minutes it's like just yeah. if you know it's offside just wait like anyways well, that, 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 that's what led to Mings's injury yeah. at Newcastle
1: so exactly yeah. So, yeah.
0: so yeah thanks Premier League uh yeah big tie can send all of his I mean I'm sure his his uh, his rehab's covered, so he's fine. But <laughs> I, I, I mean, all in all, um, he can send more compensation, um, uh, to the Premier League for that one. Um, Simon City on Wednesday. I of course now Villa fans or some may know that of course, Rodri and Grealish both picked up um another yellow apiece, so they will miss that game. It looks like Daku will as well for City. So we we know they're already missing De Bruyne through long-term injury. I think Nunez as well, and I can't remember if there was one more on that list I looked at earlier. They're missing some crucial players, but they have about three sides with crucial players in it. How are you feeling about this one? It's at Villa Park, it's a midweek one, Arsenal after that. How do you think Unai Emery's going to approach this one? Because, I mean, we have to keep in mind that a fair few people were actually rested today, or eventually came on a little bit later, but what are you expecting? All that kind of stuff. Let me know. Um I I think we're gonna
1: have a real go at them because I think you have to. If you yeah. if you just if you sit back um deep against City, like they're they're full of brilliant players. Sitting back and just inviting them on, I, I think is only gonna lead to one outcome, really. I think I mean you need to have a go at them. Now obviously that's a lot more risky, but they could be there to be gone at. I mean, they've conceded seven goals in the last three games, four at Sanford Bridge um, before the last international break. Like, you can definitely get at them. The problem is, obviously, leaving yourself open for them to get back at you. But I I don't expect us to sort of change the way that we've been playing at home. Definitely not. I think you'll still see uh, the high line, the high press. And, yeah, I, I don't know, it's a an interesting one because I kind of... It's, it's difficult not to look at this game whilst also having the Arsenal one in mind as well. You know, having the two of them back to back, And I think... I think I've, I've been saying for the last few weeks now I'm not necessarily saying that we'll win either of those two games. But I... Personally, I don't see us losing both of them. Um So, yeah, it'd be interesting it, even if we do end up losing both of them. I hope a hope against hope that we don't see uh, melt down. Some people we we will we you know we all know what Twitter's like, but it's you know if we lose both of those two games, it's not the end of the world. It's you know that they, they, they are better than us. Let's just be real about it. However, that's that doesn't mean that you should go in there expecting to lose. And you know the fact that we've got such a good record at Villa Park, I I do think that 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 could help and make a difference because. You know, you've you got the comp, the players will be confidence. Um, with it being a night game, the atmosphere. You know, they always tend to be better night games as well, especially um, you know the bigger games against the better teams. So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it in, in a weird way. Um, I I really do hope uh, that the the high line is is working to perfection like it normally <laughs> does because uh, you know I don't i don't, as world class as Emmy Martinez is. Parlands allowed a number of free runs through at him. He's got to sit one of them away. But as I say, I think we could get at them and, and Rodri being suspended is huge. I, I think that's a, a really big miss for them. Like obviously they're still full of really, really fancy players, but he's he's the one player they've got in that uh, sort of position in the midfield who allows them to to have so many forward players going for, you know, going for it if if he's not there, you'd think it'll be, be, be Kovacic. It'd be amazing Calvin Phillips gets to lot for, for that one. But Kovacic is a decent player. I, I quite rate him. But he's not He's not got anywhere near the same sort of skill sets as someone like Rodri. And with our midfield, the way we do it with the four four two 4 I box, I think you'd be looking at McGinn, Kamara, Louise, and Ramsey. I think you'll see that as your midfield four coming in narrow against uh, the midfields without their sort of players who, who knit all together to break it up. I don't know. it be been an interesting game. I'm, it's one I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's mental when you look at the table. It's third versus fourth. Um, if Villa do somehow win, <laughs> and I say somehow because, let's be honest, we are still underdogs, uh, Villa can go all the way up to 30, Two points, City would go down to, oh, I think it really as low as they could go, ultimately, is to fourth because of goal difference. But it, it's mental to see that there's that opportunity to go to, of course, if something happens with Liverpool too, we could be second. Um, it's, again, we're still in that kind of like, how is this happening phase, but you are right in saying that. Like, I'm even looking at City's schedule here quickly, of course, after Villa they have Luton, which people could easily say, well, they'll they'll prioritize Villa and play their strongest side and then change up against Luton. After that, of course, they're already out of the champ or they're already into the next round of the champions league already, of course, in first place in their group. So they have one more game after that match day six, then they have palace, then they have the club world cup. Like I think some people just assume that Holland's going to play 90 minutes every game and he's going to be fine. I'm not saying he's not going to do that against Villa by any means, but don't be surprised if you see some rotation with the city side. Cause I think there's going to have to be now. It's still a strong side, like I've prefaced before, but I honestly, and this could be delusional. Maybe Villa lose like three, <laughs> I like who knows? I, I'm not being cocky, but you just with this Villa side, especially at home, you just never know. And there's, I don't know if you feel the same way, Simon, but there's just the feeling about this season, especially at Villa park. I just, I'm going into every game, super confident as we should, but even when you see the likes of City and Arsenal, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, come up on the fixture list, I just this season I just feel like anything could happen. But do you agree with that, or do you do you think maybe there's a little bit more pessimism we have to throw into that to be a little bit more realistic? Because let's be honest, the fact that we are a top four club right now is just ridiculous. We shouldn't be really.
1: No, I I think you're right. I mean, I I, I don't see us winning both of those games, um, but. I don't think it'll be a major shock if it is. Not to Villa fans anyway. Everyone else will uh you know will, will probably be furious, I'm sure, if that happens. Um yeah, it's you know, the, the home form has obviously it's been perfect hasn't <laughs> it as no the word for it this season, other than a little blip against Everton in, in the League Cup, but you know, let's just not count that. Um, yes I'm as I, you know, as I say I'm looking forward to, to this city game um and I, I don't really know what's gonna happen like I, I really I really don't it's I think we're going into into these two fixtures in the best shape that we've been in going to those fixtures for you know for a long long time um so yeah it's just, let's just let's see what happens where city I, I think is I'm glad that we're playing them at home before Christmas mm-hmm. because we all know, it's, you know, January onwards, they they just you know turn into sort of turbo mode, don't they? And you know, they they turn it on. But as, as I said a few minutes ago, you can get at them. Like they are vulnerable defensively, and will be even more so now that um, that Rodri's not there. They lost at Wolves this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it, it was a game they, they obviously missed a few chances, but and that that was without Rodri. I think they didn't have him against Man City, uh, sorry, against Newcastle in the League Cup and they lost that and I believe they lost the Champions League game without him, I, th- I think, or, I don't know, I can't, I... <laughs> you know, there's de- <laughs> de- there de- there definitely some other game that he missed the season that they lost as well, so like, he, he is a, a huge part for their team and with him not there, like, I, I genuinely think we've we've got a real chance of, of, of getting something at like them because, as well, we are, behind them, the second highest goal scorers in the league, so you've got the two top goal-scoring teams in the league. You'd, you'd assume it's going to be full of goals, but commentators, guys, it's probably going to be nil nil. which, I'll be honest, I'd take. <laughs> because yeah. let's have a fucking clean sheet, for God's sake.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're kind of in the same boat as City. We just have not kept many. I think City maybe has two or three this season. I can't even think of if Villa has two, to be honest. It feels like forever since there's been one and we'll, we'll get on to that and probably a, a different game where we're even more, yeah. but just quickly, I mean, you look at city, you look at Arsenal. I feel like if we can come through those two games looking pretty good, you go into that Zerinsky game on December 14th, you, you finish first in the group. You're just flying. I honestly, I feel like if we can get through these next two, three games doing pretty well, Honestly, I think it sets us up beautifully for the rest of the month. I think it's just getting over that first hurdle that's going to be the issue. And I'm not writing off any teams after that. I just feel like, mentality-wise, especially with Unai Emery, I think he can feed that into the players more. And they'll Mm. just keep running with that. Because I think, especially against teams like City and Arsenal, you get something out of that, you believe you can do anything. And I I think that's that kind of step we have to take this season. We beat Arsenal when they were not very good. Let's be honest. City, we've attempted to run them close a couple times under, you know, that, that guy that was here last. Um, and for some reason, we actually played somewhat well for whatever reason than didn't for anybody else. But regardless of that, I just feel like there's that mentality you can run away with, and when we do, anything can happen. But anyways, Simon, before we wrap things up here quickly, because I know we said we are going to make this a quick one, and it's probably not, but regardless, it is a, a typical Holtcast podcast to do one without... Um, being minimal and quick <laughs> of course FA Cup third round has been drawn uh Middlesbrough away how you feel about that one it's 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 not united so we can be happy with <laughs> that Middlesbrough are actually doing pretty good in the championship this season they had a very slow start to the championship campaign but since then they've really kind of turned the jets on of course their their boss is Michael Carrick which we know from his playing days pretty well how you feeling about this one? You, a little nervous, excited? I mean, it is the FA Cup in Villa, so uh, ultimately, <laughs> yeah. just, I have no hope, but how
1: do you see it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those games, one of those ties where you look at it and you're like, oh, that's, that's going to be tricky. Like, <laughs> you just, all you want is a home draw against the lower league team or, you know, the team that you're better than, but, it, but even that doesn't seem to, to save us in the, in the Cup sometimes, so... I don't know. It it's it's not by well, nowhere near the, the worst draw that we could have had. And you know, you see some sort of some of the ones that have been picked out. But you could have had nicer
0: ones. It it'll be
1: that that's like quite early January, isn't it? I think that going January sixth, like, yeah. So it'll yeah. be right
0: between Burnley and Everton.
1: So I I I think depending on how December goes, we'll maybe inform what sort of team we pull out <laughs> in that game yeah it's it's not it's not a great tie, but you just you take it and see what see what happens with it it's if they're doing well and like in and around the playoffs then they will quite likely sort of rest and rotate people as well so yeah we'll we'll, we'll see what happens when we get there but like you say it this villain the FA cup so <laughs> We'll, yeah,
0: see. we'll have to see. And actually, as I say that, I knew they were doing somewhat well. They're 12th now, so that's, that, that shows um, what I know. I mean, they're 8-3-8 and eight in terms of their record. We all know how the championship is. You win a couple yeah. back in the playoffs. Like, they're only on 27 points, six places 30th. So that really puts that yeah. in context. Two wins can literally put them back in the top six. But you do look at some of these ties. Some of them are to be determined. Like I said, that'll be on January 6th. I mean, I would have loved to see Villa play like a non-league, like an Eastley or Maidstone, hmm. or you know what? If we want some of that Rob, Rob McElhoney money, we could have out- got. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it just—it would have been nice. There's Sutton League Two, uh, West Brom may see they're in there. We—I just don't want to deal with that mentality, to be honest. Um, had too many terrifying ones against them. Norwich, we always seem to smash them. That would have been nice, and they're absolutely struggling. Bolton, you know what? The old uh, Sam Allardyce days—we can reminisce about yeah. those. Um, I don't know. It's not the most exciting draw to be honest, because it just brings me back to the uh, Tony Pulis led Middlesbrough in the playoffs, and weren't those the most horrific two legs ever, seen in football <laughs> ever. But regardless, Villa got through it, and we're we're better because of it. But it is the FA Cup. We'll have to wait and see if we beat them. Um, I'm confident that we'll we'll get past the fourth round. I think, and maybe some of that hoodoo will finally. Um, get past us. If we don't, at least we didn't lose to. Um, was it Steven's last year? I've completely erased oh, it. Gotcha. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it gets more embarrassing than that. I guess it could be non-league. I always think of was it Bradford against Chelsea like years and years ago? I can't remember which cup that was. Um, but um, maybe that was the Carabao Cup. But regardless of that, we'll have to wait and see. It's supposed to yeah. be exciting. Uh, do you think you'll be making the trip to Middlesbrough? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I've
1: been to see Villa at the Riversides at least twice, possibly three, and no one needs to go there more than once. I don't know why I have. No, no, no way.
0: <laughs> let's let's do a quick quiz. Do you think you can name three of their current um, playing staff? Oh, God. Um Let's test your Middlesbrough knowledge. Uh, the one thing I will say, Chuba Akpom is not there. So <laughs> oh, I can right. tell you that
1: he he was the player. I was trying to think of what his name is. So beyond beyond him, uh no, I've got nothing for you. <laughs> okay, well, just
0: to fill people in, and of course, we'll probably preview this. Maybe try to get a a uh, Middlesbrough journalist on or something closer to that. And I don't know why I'm I'm even bringing this up, but of course, they have Sam Greenwood, of course, of um, Leeds United fame. Most importantly, uh, let's see here, uh, Alex Gilbert, Sarah um, Lenehan, which I think was ex-Blackburn Rovers. Um, let's see here, Matthew Clark, formerly of Brighton at some point. Patty Bainair, of course. Um, everyone remembers him from United and Sunderland. I'm sure. Oh, Ryan, of, gosh, course. Yeah. Um, of course, Sunderland until I die. I'm pretty sure he was in that for that first season. Um, Johnny Housen of Norwich City fame at one point. Uh, Hayden Hackney, of course, a lot of people rant and rave about him in that division. Um, aside from that, I'm not going to pretend to know absolutely any <laughs> of these players but um, yeah, I don't want to disrespect them anymore because if they somehow beat us, we'll look like absolute mugs and their fans <laughs> will pull this up and humiliate us. But uh, Simon, do you have anything else before we run away with this one and forget about it until we somehow lose in the third round?
1: Nothing really other than Emmy Martin has showed once again. Why well, is the best goalkeeper in the world of some outstanding saves today?
0: Yeah. I mean, we haven't touched on that, but we probably should have. But all in all, I mean, we do say Lord Unai. What do we make Emmy Prince Emmy? Like Jesus <laughs> Christ. To be honest, I don't know what we'd do without him. I just I I don't know how we ever survived. Well, I mean, we didn't survive, I guess long term when we had like Guzan <laughs> and stuff like that, because we did have the ultimate downfall. But my goodness gracious, just give the man a, a lifetime contract because he is absolutely unreal.
1: Yeah, I just something else like, probably, yeah, definitely now the best keeper that I've seen in my lifetime at the Villa. It's, it was always Mark Bosnich, but I, I mean, I suppose though Bosnich did win something. He was the last keeper once won something with us. So maybe we need to win something this season for me to take that. But no, nah, he's he's just the best. He's unbelievable.
0: We just need to see him lifting something with Villa. We need to yeah. see him humping a trophy or something. Like we, we need that for our souls, first of all, winning something. But second of yeah. all,
1: if he I, doesn't I, win in something in yeah. his time
0: at Villa, it's a crime. The thing I, I think what it
1: really helps us as well is I think like he generally is so determined and desperate to win something with Villa as well. So fingers crossed this season
0: in Athens, 29th like of May. Who knows? Maybe you know. True. I I didn't even clue in on that (laughs) when you (laughs) said that. Who knows? Maybe we'll go to penalties. He'll make the final save to win us something. He goes into Villa folklore. I mean, he already is basically at this point. Um, It it just needs to happen. But anyways, we'll leave it at that. I don't really know what we're talking about at this point. (laughs) We have definitely went on. I thought, you know what? Maybe 20, 30 minutes. I think we're definitely past the 40-minute mark. So if you've listened this far, do let us know um, on social media. Um, Reach out to us and let us know. It's always... Greatly appreciated, of course. Thank you to very much to Mr. Simon O'Regan for joining me. Find him on Twitter, slash X at Si O'Regan. You can find me on there as well at Talk to Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. Email the podcast, holdcast at gmail.com. And if you want to have anything um, written for the website, which is, of course, www7500 com, email that over to 7500 main at gmail.com. I remembered it. I'm very proud of myself. Hopefully, we should be back right after the city match, probably first thing Thursday morning. Uh, we'll uh, keep you up to date on the socials with that, so keep an eye on there. We should be, but you never know with these games, to be honest. Things are coming so fast. People have lives. Apparently, I'm one of the only people that don't, uh, so we'll have to wait and see, but anyways, we'll leave it there, and don't forget Up uh, the villa.